and we want to back back up, I guess, maybe, and 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 now look at the work of God uh, from maybe a little bit more general perspective. Um, there are three views of God, the way God interacts with us. Do you know what the? You don't have to know the technical names, but do you know what the the basic concepts of the theories of that God, how God interacts with man. Okay. Yeah, well, so so those are like the details of how he through which he would interact. But um, we'll just say I'll give you the first one. You'll probably get the other two. So there is an idea that God has nothing to do with anything. That would be like the kind of the atheistic view, or we would say kind of deism kind of falls under that too, where they say, well, God created everything and let it go. And, and that's, uh, that's, you know, at this point, God has nothing to do with anything really going on. He made it, and he's just like, that was fun, and I'm off in the corner. Okay? So that's God has nothing to do with anything. Well, what would the other two be? Okay, that would be the other, and who would believe that? Who would believe that? God has everything to do with everything. God, I don't believe that. So, like, your Calvinist would believe that. He's, God, every choice that's made, everything that happens, God deliberately did it. Right? So, so there is that view. Like, if, if you did something, you can't choose to do good. God did it for you. God made it happen. And so, so that's obviously. Um, well, what's it, so hard to understand is yeah. why he lets certain things happen. Ah, so we get to the what we call the permissive will of God, and that includes a lot of things. And so, so when we talk about providence, I think the majority of people who would at least believe in God, I don't know if they comprise the majority of all people, would, would probably fall somewhere between there, maybe a little bit more on one side or a little bit more on the other, but that God has something to do with everything, right? Everything that goes on has something to do with God. We're just not quite sure how much God has to do with it. How, how much is he deliberately working? How much is he allowing? And so that's kind of, you know, you have things that are under your control, but you're not necessarily micromanaging, but it's still attributed, right, to you. If, if you're like a manager or you're an employer or whatever, you, you, you kind of... It's, this is his area. You just point and see him. Yeah, it's going fine. I haven't done anything with it because it's a system that's working. Uh, so, so there would be those these things. So uh, when, when, I want to back up just a little bit to uh, where we talk about the total providence of God, uh, where, where God has everything to do with everything. Uh, and, um, well, actually, I kind of want to go back through all three of these a little bit before we, we get into our... Are, are kind of breaking down what God does. Uh, in Romans chapter 8 is where, well, in verse 29, 28 and 29, is where this idea primarily comes from. And it's, of course, a verse taken out of context. But it's important for us to know that if, if you come up against this idea, this is one of the verses you're going to hear. Uh, Romans 8, 28 and 29, it says... Um, uh, where are we at here? 
says, we, are, we know for all, uh, that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose, for those who he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those who he predestined, he called, verse 30, those he called, he justified, those he justified, he glorified. And that's, that's kind of forms the foundation. This verse actually denies that concept, which is funny. The, the verses that a lot of times people want to run to to support their ideas. Actually, if you read it oh, it's a little closer, you go, wait a minute. That's not saying what, you know, it's, it's like I always think of the princess bride. You know, it's a, I don't think that means what you think it means. <laughs> it's, uh, um, it, it, it's, if we look at this, we see that these are all separate actions. So they can't be the same action. To, to say that God, God's foreknowledge, right? This is the one we have a hard time with. Well, if God knows what I'm going to do, then I can't help it. Right? That's the, the, the next section. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it's like, wait a minute. His foreknowledge and his, whatever his foreknowledge is and whatever his predestination, we can haggle about that. But they're two different actions. Right? Those who he did this to, he also did this to. They're separate. Whatever they are, they're not defined the same thing. Uh, and we have, this is not a perfect, none of our illustrations are perfect. Uh, but there's a magic trick that kind of uses this. I don't know if you've ever had the, the magic trick where the person makes you pick the card. That they, you, ever, you ever seen that? You know how it works? Okay, so, so I'm not a magician, so I can expose other people's magic tricks. It's simple. Uh, so, so they put, they, they, you pick a card, they put it back, and then and they lay out the cards in, in like an order, right? And then you, okay, now pick a pile. And then they, and then they lay them out again. You seen this one? You, have you, you know which magic trick I'm talking about? So, so they lay them out, okay, pick a pile. Okay, and then, and they pick them up and they redistribute them maybe this way or this way or whatever and and you pick okay now pick a card and uh and and pretty soon they're like okay is this your card or and each time you point to a to a different one and then pretty soon you point to a card and they say now turn it over and it's your card and you go it's like it's like predestination they forced me to pick a my card i could have picked any other card and how did they make me pick my card they were going to play that. They knew exactly where your card was every time. And they were going to do that for an hour and a half until you put your finger on the right card. And then they were going to turn it over and say, see, there's your card. It's, it's like, but it manipulates this idea of predestination for des- uh, and, and foreknowledge. They have the foreknowledge of where it is. Right? You've actually done the free will act of, they didn't make your finger go to any one of those piles. They just kind of controlled the setting. And, and, and eventually, your free will choice came to the same place. Now, let's, let me apply this spiritually. If I decide tomorrow to leave the church, just like I'm tired of it, then today, God knew I was going to do that. God didn't make me do that. God knows today what I'm going to do. If I decide tomorrow to do something in the opposite, something very spiritual, God knew what I was going to do. God didn't force me either time. It's that same thing. He's, he's got the conditions, 
And whatever I'm going to do through my free will, he's just said, there's the card, I knew it. Is that your card? Yes, I did that. Uh, it, it's, not, it's, it's not God forcing me. I'm doing the action, and that's how those two work together. Yeah, one of the, one of the things that can't draw a parallel to anything that we can do is the fact that he can see in here. Right? Yes. <coughs> he knows us better than we know ourselves. Right. Yeah. And that's something that humans can't do at all. The humans, we can take a good guess, and we can manipulate things to a certain extent, but he knows what we're going to do because he knows us. Right. Yeah, there's times where you kind of know something's going to happen because you know trends, right? Like, you know, if you leave your kids in the house for a certain period of time, certain conditions are going to exist when you arrive home. Like, okay. So, uh, I know that's going to happen. And sometimes you're like, whoa, that didn't happen, right? Because we're human, we don't know that. We can't actually predict the future. God's just like, he sees it and he knows it. And so he can, he's a 100% predictor of the future. We're like, we're like, you know, a little bit less than that because we have to go off of, you know, past, you know, past results. Um, Right. He's not looking down the halls of time to say what choices are Barry is Barry going to make? Yeah. And based on those choices, the good outweighs the bad. So I'm going to pick him. Right. Right. Yeah. That's the part that just mm-hmm. wrap my head around. Yeah. Which yes. Our, our, do it then. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 we would get into deep. Yeah. But you know, God talking to the prophets told them that even if I didn't use you. Yeah. My plan should still go through. I could use somebody else. Mm-hmm. So even though he knows what you're going to do, there's 10 other people that are it could be doing the same thing. Or, so his plan can be adjusted to however it is, depending yeah. on what decision you make. Right. It don't matter. His plan's still going to work out. Yeah, God's backup plans have yeah. backup plans. I mean, you can't. It's like, you know, it, it's like you, you, he's formulated that all out ahead. And you can like, okay, uh, you picked the wrong one. Okay, let's redistribute the cards. Is this the one? Yep, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still on, still still working things out. So, uh, and, and yet still doing so within our ability to choose. So that's God has everything to do with everything. Uh, uh, don't really need to, to go over much about God doesn't have anything to do with anything. Uh, except for the fact that there's one interesting thing between the two. A true person who believes God has nothing to do with nothing. I mean, absolutely will live according to it. And a person who believes that God has everything to do with everything will actually act the same way. If you believe that God has nothing to do with anything, that there's no virtue, there's no, that's all, then you will live like it. And if you believe you're going to heaven and there's nothing that can change it and you're, and, and, uh, and that's it's a set in stone, and God's done it. Or to the to the other degree, listen. If I'm going to hell, there's nothing I can do to stop it. I might as well live like I want to live, because I can't change anything. And they will act the same way. So, so we want to focus on God's providence being what it really is. In John chapter five seventeen. 
introduces, I think, uh, could be one of, you know, a thousand verses that, that introduce God's, what we want to call God's providence, which really means simply to provide. How does God provide and interact with his creation? John 5, 17, if someone wants to read that. <clears throat> Okay, so so God is working, uh, and Christ is working. The, the The creation part, what we talked about, that stopped, but that did not mean that the works of God stopped. God is more than His creative capability. God is continuing to work. Christ is continuing to work. They have things, and that that's what we're going to look at. Four areas, and we could. Give some examples. We'll go through and give some examples, but we just want to look at four types of providence. And the first type is through what we would call uh, general providence. What do you think I mean by general providence? General, and I think this would be the majority of what God does. How does God do most things? Okay. There's a lot of what he does. What about those who don't pray to him? Is he acting with them? Is he interacting with them? He says he sends the rain and the sunshine. All right. That, and that's, all right. So that's, I think, the primary way that God acts is through his natural creation. Um. I'm going to look at some examples. Uh, so we're going to talk about physical things, nature, and through science. Colossians 1, 16. And some of these will be references to God generally, some to Christ. Uh, all different things, but we're talking about God. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. And if someone wants to read that. And I think I think the this is the verse you had mentioned last week. I, I can't remember who it was, but um, and so we see that okay, we we mentioned Christ's creative aspect of, in nature, but but now we see what what else? How else does he react in nature? Okay. He's holding stuff together. He did not just make it and run off. There's a maintenance of it. It's not self-aware. It's just creation. There's maintenance of it that needs that. And I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what he's saying when he means, like, does it all just fly apart if he's gone? Like, I don't know what that means. I'll tell you, this is a weird one. And this is something science can't really answer. They have a not answer answer. Um, and that they've made up... Science has made up something that they don't know exists to try to explain this. Right? We all go through science and we look at a nucleus. Well, what's a nucleus? Well, a nucleus is made up of you know, all these positive charged things and negative charged things. Right? Well, 
what happens when you get a bunch of negatively charged things together? Or a bunch of positively charged things together? They don't like each other. No. They repel. <laughs> yes, exactly. So you're telling me I have this nucleus. Every, every atom in my body has at its very center a lot of things that don't want to be together by their very nature. <laughs> hmm. Why am I not exploding? In him all things consist. Anyway, and think about a universe made up of these atoms. God's not just running off like, I made it. <laughs> it's not going to hold together very long if he just made it. And like, be done with it. God has made principles, but he's still monitoring all those principles. So, uh, Acts chapter 17, verse 28. He says, For in him... We live and we move and we have our being, even as some of your own poets said, we are his offspring. So, so now what element do we come to? We see kind of in general, just the inanimate existence of things. God has, God has worked within that, continued to work with that. Now he gets a little bit more specific. What does God do? What does Christ do? What is... What are they involved in? He's more personal. Mm. So he, he's interacting with humanity specifically. He meant, we have our existence. We have our being. Now, this, you could take this to even go further and talk about our character, my, my being, my identity. Um, I'm not sure exactly what he means by this, but I I know one thing. Christ has not run off, and God has not run off and led us to our own devices. God continues uh, to be uh, present with us. Hebrews, we're going to look at a couple of verses here um, shortly, not uh, not quite yet. Hebrews 1, 3. Hebrews 1, 3. There's so many scriptures, we probably will not get to these. I'm going to have to skip some, and that's very unfortunate. But uh, Hebrews 1.3, if someone wants to read that. Since the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word, after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Okay, so, so here he's... Uh, he's kind of now starts to connect it to spiritual things, but it's still physical things. He's still upholding all things through his word. That's what Christ is called. He's called the word. It's how he created things, and uh, or at least how God, and maybe God spoke it, and he was the word. He was the creative force of the word. I don't know how that all works. I don't, I don't know the mechanics. God didn't put that for me to figure out. Uh, so, but But he's... Involved with humanity physically, and now it gets into spiritual things that he continues uh, to 
to be involved in. Psalms 104. This will be the last one of, of this specific section. Psalms 104, verse 10 through 13. Someone wants to read those verses. Psalms 104, 10 through 13. What's he saying? What's he talking about? What's he describing here? Taking care of nature. How? Okay, yes. He's involved in nature. This is a... Intimately. Okay. He makes the springs pour water into the ravines. All right. So, so and, and, and then what else? What, what, what's, what, think about this as like a 3,000-year-old description of something that we talk about routinely. Climate, weather. He's describing precipitation cycles, and he's describing weather patterns, and he's describing all these things. This is science and God, <laughs> not opposite. Who knew? Um, and this is one of the ways he interacts with us through just providing generally for the more you look at nature, the more you look at. Everything God made, you just see how all these things work together to sustain life. And so, so God does, this is the majority of what God is doing in the world. It's hard to see that when you look at things like Lake Mead drying up, yeah. the Colorado River, record lows now, and that part of the country is suffering from a water shortage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's happening, but I mean, the Bible does talk about you know different famines that lasted mm-hmm. for five to seven yeah. years. You know, so those are all these are all cycles. I agree. Cycles. Yeah. yeah, these are all cycles. They come and and you know the the one that always kills me is this water conservation. So we don't have one drop less of water on this planet than we've ever had. They're all there. Every drop. They might be in different locations. But they're all evaporating. They've been evaporating and raining down somewhere since we've begun. Oh, like it hasn't gone anywhere. Yeah, it, it, it's here. <laughs> I, I'm not saving it. <laughs> I'm just spending more if I leave the faucet running. That's all I'm doing. But uh, it's going to go down, and it's going to go somewhere, and it's going to go up, and it's going to come down somewhere else. It's, it's all here. Oh yes, oh, there's for sure that there's there's a lot of a lot of things. Yes, California, a lot of is a, is a perfect example of that. But you know, some of the rules and things you can't do this, you can't do that. It's like okay, well, now we're going to have repercussions locally. So so that kind of goes back to to some of the you know some of the other things and and uh, that we're going to actually talk about. Uh, Yes. So that's how we right. and we abuse. Yeah. Whatever. That's, uh, yeah. Whether it's the 
or, yeah. or spiritual lives or physical lives. Yeah. It is interesting. It's interesting. Some some things like have like we can cause some permanent damage, but like the things that God said, if they permanently damage that, it's over. I'm gonna take that away from them. It's like you can't get rid of water because <laughs> you kind of need that one. So like I'm gonna make sure that the properties that exist around water are always gonna keep it there on the planet. So it's like you can't you can't hurt that one. Uh, just because God knows man. And uh, so uh, you know, he's made a way naturally for us to be provided for without him having to do everything for us. Uh, there, there are just simple rules that work. Um, and we get to another natural thing. Romans chapter 1, verse 25. And so this gets into what you were just talking about, right? Romans one twenty-five through 27. I think kind of encapsulates a lot of uh, a lot of uh, what God does. Also, Romans one twenty-five. Let's read one twenty-five to twenty-seven. Someone wants to do that. Okay. Now, here is a, he caps it off with a general, I think a general statement that applies to lots of things. This is a specific application that he's addressing here. What is the general? Because that's where I want to focus on. What happened to people? Okay, he gave them over. So sometimes God does stop interacting and protecting you. Like, all right, I'm not protecting you anymore. One of the natural providences that God has, God does not always zap people who do the bad thing. Sometimes God just lets natural consequences take their course. In this case, is he talking about sexually transmitted disease? I don't know. I don't know what he's talking about here, but when we do things wrong, and not just like morally wrong, when you do things wrong, there's natural consequences. If you're, if you don't know your task at work, there's consequences. If you're like, oh, we're talking about <laughs> Diane and I, we were over at the Petersons, and she's talking about someone at work that didn't really know what they were doing. Guess what? That affected a company. There's natural consequences that take over. There's natural laws. God doesn't step in all the time and go, okay, now he, and sometimes he just has, just like gravity, like if you try to defy gravity, you're going to find out that it doesn't work. It's going to be a natural law that takes over and corrects your mistake. And, and, and that's what he's saying here. They, they received the penalty that was due them. 
Now, that can be through a divine intervention that God sometimes says, whoa, I'm going to have to fix this one. But sometimes God just like, okay, nature will take care of that problem. So that wraps up. I mean, it doesn't really, but there's, there's a lot we could go on. But um, that's his natural providence, and that's the greatest one. So I want to talk about special providence. Special providence is... Uh, the, so these are the four categories. I'll, I'll give them so that we can identify differences between them. There's what we would call general providence. And this is just a human's categorization. as went through the book. You could do these differently. But there's special providence. And these are special acts that don't necessarily overturn natural law. Right? God can act within nature, but it's him doing it. Um, there's what then we would call miraculous providence. That's where God acts, and it's definitely not natural. Right? We call these miracles. They defy physics. They defy science. They're like, whoa. Those are different, different from, from things that God does specifically. They're not going to happen on their own, but they don't, they don't overturn a law of nature. Um, and then the last one, would be what we call supernatural, but spiritual. It's, it's, it's a spiritual thing that God interacts with us that would not happen naturally. But it's not miraculous, necessarily. But it, it doesn't have to do with the laws of nature at all. It's, it's, it's separate. It's spiritual. So it's just, these are just kind of four technical categories. And we're not going to spend as much time on each of these. I think they're a little bit more obvious. Uh, but Daniel chapter 5, when we talk about special providence, um, Daniel 5.21 is one. That, and, and it would be just an indication of the types of things that God does. We could go through. Um, someone wants to read Daniel 5.21. He was driven away from Until he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and sets over them anyone he wishes. Okay. Now, do you understand why I grouped this one with not miracles necessarily? It could have been a miracle. I don't know. But because uh, I don't know what happened. But this is the type of thing that would be what we call special providence, right? It's, it's obviously it starts and stops with something that God specifically wanted. It's not like because God says that the cutoff is when he repents. So, so it's, it, for this to be completely natural law, it would have to be really coincidental. That this started and stopped through nature exactly when, when God had made determinations. That would be a coincidence. God says, it's going to start now, and when I want it to stop, it's going to stop. But is it a miracle? I don't know. Mental illness happens. And he says, all right, I'm just going to give you a little something to make you think. And you're going to be like you, like an animal for a little bit. And throughout the Old Testament, and Daniel, I think a chapter early, uh, I, I'm trying to remember where it was, but uh, he talks about lifting kings up and setting them down. Like God's providence. Now sometimes, you know, you think of strange things that have happened in, in history. 
like the Spanish Armada. Right? Here's England about to get wiped out by Spain. Sea storm, all your navy's gone. God's like, hmm. <laughs> that seems really providential. Just weather. But certainly it doesn't seem natural to me. To have your entire navy go down? Like, that's not natural. That seems like God had a plan. Like, I'm not going to let this, I, I have something for this nation to do and you're not going to stop it. There, there's, there's things like that throughout history where you can just see God, God was taking an interest that he might have used a natural means, but he's using it supernaturally. Um, the, the, you could go through the Bible, probably you see a ton of these in the Bible. Um, uh, one of the, the references he pointed out in, was where God provided the ram in the thicket for Abraham. Now, he miraculously stopped his hand. Whoop, that's a miracle. Like, okay, that's not, that's not a law of science there. But natural, but an intervention, here's an animal over here. Oh, just, just the right timing. The book of Esther is full of divine interventions that are not miraculous. I, I can't think of it, the book of Esther one single miracle that occurs, but a guy being having insomnia at the right time of night, turning the page to the right event of history to see Mordecai, Mordecai being at the right place at the right time. Esther, who knows if you've been brought to the same, to this point just for this time, and, and uh, you know, this guy being attracted to this Jewish woman and not knowing it, and like all the things that happened... <laughs> You know, a, a Persian king not knowing that he's marrying a Jew. <laughs> Vashti and was her rebellion just right there for the right time so that this woman could get it. Like there's all these things throughout the whole story of Esther where God just kind of intervenes. But he doesn't have to work a miracle all the time. He doesn't have to, to do some amazing thing to still be nudging and prodding history and, and events to get to where he wants it to get. Sometimes he can use natural things. Which brings us then to miracles. These are obvious, right? These are obvious. We know what a miracle is. A miracle has three elements to it. What, what do you think are the three elements? Supernatural. Okay, it's Supernatural. It is definitely God is doing something. That makes it a miracle. It has to get nature. Well, so, so that's supernatural. That means above nature. Immediate. Okay. It does. But I mean, like in its... Healing of the man. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so that gets... Right. So, so, all right. So, so we have the nature part. That's the first element of it. It's, it's not natural. It's immediate. It's, it's total. It's whatever. There's no exceptions. It's, this does not ever happen. Okay. So that's one thing. That's one element. What else is in every miracle? Not having to do with how God reacts to nature. Okay, we have a moral or some type of signified thing that it is accomplishing. God's miracles are, are always, a, they're called signs, they're called wonders, right? Uh, Hebrews talks about these 
uh, a, a number of times. But they're always to signify something spiritual, right? right? Think of the the event where Jesus is is healing. He says, "Well, uh, your sins are forgiven." Sins are forgiven. This guy came here. He's lame. Ah, but what? So that what? Uh huh. Miracle. Sign of something more significant. Sign of the of what I really want to do. Miracle is a sign. And of course, the third thing is it has to be observable. He said visible, but I suppose if you are blind, you know you can't really see it. But but I guess maybe it's observable to somebody. But it has it has to be observable. It has to be something you know. Oh well, I, in this it was like a. This thing that happened and nobody knew. And it wasn't a miracle. God did not do his miracles in secret places. <laughs> when he does a miracle, everybody goes, oh, you know, wow. You know, the, the steps, the, the shadow on the steps of, the, of the, the altar go down 10. That's a way of saying it was, a, it was actually a, a sundial. And it went backwards. That the hours, he's like, he's like, God did like a ten-hour daylight savings time. <laughs> okay, well, that doesn't happen every day. So, um, that's from Wednesday's. That's a sneak peek from Wednesday's coming up class. So, so that's miraculous providence. And then the last one is his supernatural spiritual providence. And then we're going to close with this. Someone wants to read Philippians chapter 2, 12, and 13. Okay, so, so God is working, God is doing, it wasn't going to happen naturally. We are not, by nature, spiritual people. We don't, things on their own deteriorate. And that's, that's a law of thermodynamics. And it's true, it works with people too. On your own, without special guidance from parents, from teachers, from, just from God working in you. However it may be, we have to have energy put into us to move the right direction. On our own, it's going to get worse. And, and so, so God says, well, really, I'm working in you. I'm given a Holy Spirit. I, I've given these things to, to do what's not natural in you, which is to get you to... Well, spirituality is hard, really. People say, "Oh, this is the easiest thing I've ever. This is the easiest decision I've ever made." Well, then you're doing something wrong. Your character's not developing. You're not working on bad habits, or I don't know. There's something you're not doing if this is really easy to you. You should write a book. <laughs> Why this is so easy? Uh, I'll read it. And um, so, you know, we go back to 
close this, go back to the story of Esther. There's spiritual things that, that don't have to do with divine, just the right place at the right time interventions in here. But they're not natural. Can you think of some? Can you think of something in the story of Esther that shows God doing a direct spiritual thing that's not connected to a manipulation of an event? To me, it's the cornerstone of the story. What does Esther do? What, what, what's the turning point? Okay, in what setting? Okay. What is the condition when she goes to him? What, what is, what's her big dilemma? She's not invited. That's a big no-no. That's like a death penalty thing. And she wrestles with it. And God gives her the courage, the bravery to go do this great spiritual thing that ends up being. That's not natural. This is the king. And everybody's just seen what he did to Vashti, you know. I could lose my head. And so sometimes God just works things out through spiritual things that he's doing in people and he doesn't need big miracles and he doesn't need to he doesn't even need to nudge history he just needs a person with with character and 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 that's one thing i think that that is his greatest some of the greatest work that he does so all right we'll close there